Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. This is TMA with Nick Hamilton. Wake your goat mouth ass up. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience, but look like it just came out of the basement. TMA with Nick Hamilton. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, because, because now... <laughs> Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on this planet. Hope everybody got a great start to the new week. Hope everybody had a good weekend. Yes, last week I took some time off, had to handle some business, had to handle a few things uh, when it comes to Nightcast Media, so had to take some time away. But hey, Hope you miss me. I did miss everybody listening right now. So we got a lot to talk about, lots to dig into on this episode of the show. Definitely want to get into Deshaun Watson and what's going on in the city of Houston. What is his future? Is it bleak? Is it still bright? We'll get into that. As well as the Los Angeles Lakers, who who dealt another blow over the weekend with the loss of LeBron James. We'll get into the length of time he'll be gone and how that possibly may affect the Lakers and their playoff chances moving forward what's going on with the brooklyn nets who is the next in the western conference to succeed can they can they make it deep into the playoffs uh alongside the lakers and the los angeles clippers we'll find out all that and more also we get into the ncaa tournament talk with my compadre and confident uh what can i call him oh anyway chris camello is gonna be on the show y'all so I ain't going to get all fancy with it. You know what it is. Uh, make sure you follow me on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA, uh, except for Twitter. It's at Nick Hamilton 213. All right, y'all. Deshaun Watson. Now, we all know Deshaun Watson. I've talked about what's been going on between uh, him and the Houston Texans organization. We all know Deshaun Watson has been very adamant about uh, leaving uh, the Houston Texans organization has a lot of love for the city of Houston, has done a lot of great things for the people in the city of Houston, as well as his own community uh, where he's from in Georgia. Uh, Just an all-around good dude from what we can tell uh, for all intents and purposes. Now, the thing about it is, here's the problem. So recently, and I'm talking about as very recent, uh, there have been some allegations as it pertains to uh, possible sexual misconduct, uh, some sexual uh, favors that were allegedly uh, handed out, some forceful actions, uh, according to some of the women that have come forth uh, with their lawyer. Uh, recently, uh, at one point, it was that it was three women, then it was nine, then it was twelve. Uh, now it could be possibly twenty-two women that could be coming out. Uh, there have been several women that have filed uh, lawsuits, civil lawsuits. Let me be very clear about that. Civil lawsuits against Deshaun Watson. Um, and the problem with that is this. Here's the interesting part about all of this, because I want to break this down. And I want to be very sensitive to the nature in which we are talking about the subject, because I don't want to sound like, you know, oh, here we go with another woman making an accusation, because 
there are some women out there that do unfortunately experience sexual misconduct, uh, sexual assault and things of that nature. So I want to be as respectful as I can uh, when I speak about a serious topic like this, because this is not something that is funny. Uh, this is not something that uh, can go uh, just by the wayside. But here's the interesting part. So Tony Busby, who is the attorney for the women, uh, says that 12 women are suing uh, Deshaun Watson. Civil suits. Now, there's been no criminal activity. The police have not brought him in for questioning. He has not been charged with any crimes. Okay? Let's be very clear about that. I don't know Deshaun Watson, personally. I only know, what, like many of you listening, what we see, what we hear, what we witness via social media. And I can tell you, I don't buy these women. And I'm talking about these particular women. Let me be very clear about that. This seems like a complete money ploy. Now, Tony Busby came out and said that this is not about money. This is not about publicity. We were questioning if we were going to even bring this to light. BS. You knew good in the hell well you were going to bring this to light because you knew who you were going up against and one of the premier stars of the National Football League who happens to play quarterback for the Houston Texans, who is very, quote unquote, labeled as disgruntled and does not want to be a part of the organization and has been very adamant, as I said earlier, for months on end. Tony Busby. And here's the thing. I, I did a little digging around. I talked to a couple of people, but I did a little digging around. And here's the thing that I found out. Deshaun Watson, there are women out there, as you well know, that will do anything to get next to a superstar, whether it's an entertainer, athlete, whatever it is. If they see dollar signs, they're going to plot and, pl and, and twist their way into the nest where that particular individual is. We've seen it time and time again. We saw it with the late, great Tupac Shakur. We saw it with the late, great Kobe Bryant. And now we're dealing with this once again with Deshaun Watson. I'm going to tell you a quick story before I get into the audio that I'm going to play from Tony Busby. I There, there was a, uh, I would say a friend of mine that was a role manager for a major artist. And I'm not going to tell you who the artist is because it doesn't really matter, but I'm not going to blow up their spot. And he was a role manager. And when you're on tour, you're moving from city to city to city to city. He was the role manager, which means it was the, he was the, the, the point between the people and the actual artist. All he had to say, and this is the, these are stories that he told me while he was on the road. And I believe him. And he told me all he was telling people was, hey, I'm the road manager. And they knew who I was next to. I was the second, basically the second guy in command because he knew the artist very well. And he was the buffer. He had women getting down on their knees. He had women begging him for with all kind of and promising all kind of favors if you know what i mean just to get next to that artist and he's just the road manager so you can imagine what some of these some of these females will do when it comes to getting next to a superstar that they want to get next to and again i'm not painting all women in a box i'm saying these 12 women 
are up for a money grab. And this sounds like a witch hunt to me. Because all of a sudden, for a whole year, we didn't hear anything about these women. We didn't hear any anything when it comes to sexual misconduct or possible uh, inappropriate actions on, the, on behalf of Deshaun Watson, allegedly. We didn't hear any of that. Here's what the Houston Texans tried to do. Houston will not trade Deshaun Watson. They will keep him on lockdown as long as they can. They thought they were going to break him. They tried to get him to, to renege on his decision to be traded because he did not want to be there. And I can't blame the guy. You traded away pretty much the best parts of what he was dealing with. You traded away his best wide receiver in the middle of the season. Okay. You didn't consult with him about the head coach. You didn't consult with him about the general manager because you didn't give a damn. Because you don't see him as an equal. And I'm talking about the ownership. You don't see him as an equal. Anybody in a right freaking mind knows when you have a superstar quarterback, superstar person in the NBA, superstar baseball player, what have you, you are to consult. When, as a, when that is a franchise player, you are to at least give the common courtesy to consult with that particular player. And you didn't do that. And he was fed up with it. He was done because this team is going straight to the toilet. You heard J.J. Watt go off about the about the team last, uh, the latter part of last season. Now he's gone. This team was never built to be a Super Bowl contender. I used to cover the Houston Texans for about four years. And that team was only built to make playoff appearances, and that's it. They were never built. They were, they were built to put butts in seats because Texans love their football. I'm talking about the people who live in Texas. They love their football. That is a football state through and through. And Bob McNair at the time, before he passed, knew exactly what he was doing. He wanted to put butts in seats. If they slid into the playoffs, great. They were never built to be a Super Bowl contender. They were only a cash cow. Am I lying? Where the hell have they been since? Have they made an AFC, an AFC championship? Have they made the Super Bowl? Hell no. And they won't. So now you have the McNair family who took it over after their late father passed away and continue the same antics. Now, here's where the McNair family and Tony Busby come together. In 2015 or 2016, Tony Busby connected with Bob McNair to raise money for the presidential campaign of Donald Trump. This is a family friend and confidant. Now, ironically, he's going to take a case against Deshaun Watson. Put two and two together. You tell me. You tell me this is not some type of some form of a witch hunt. Now, again, I'm not saying Deshaun Watson is completely innocent because I don't know. But it's awful ironic to me that you can get a quarterback of this statue because he refused to accept your terms and you felt that you were going to try to break him. Now, I'm not I'm not accusing the McNair family of being involved in this at all because I have zero evidence of that. I'm just connecting the dots and I'm just throwing things out there. You make your own decision on what 
happened or didn't happen. But what I'm saying is, it's awful strange how all of a sudden now, after he turned down your refusal and that you're not you're not on the best of terms with him. And all of a sudden this comes out the woodworks with the attorney. That's the family friend of the owner of the ownership of the ownership that Deshaun Watson is warring with, so to speak. You're trying to tarnish this man's image and name. And let's be also let's be clear about this, too. Even if Deshaun Watson gets acquitted, because Deshaun Watson has one of the best lawyers in the state of Texas, the same lawyer, I believe, that helped Roger Clemens throughout his case with dealing with the PED situation. So Deshaun Watson is playing it smart. Number two, there are teams still vying for Deshaun Watson services. They have not been scared off by these allegations. That should also tell you something, because if any of these allegations were remotely true, you think teams would still be want be interested in that? I don't think so. You don't think David Malguda, excuse me if I mispronounce your name, sir, of athletes first, you don't think he would have dropped him if he saw any kind of evidence? You don't think he did his due diligence because he still continues to represent Deshaun Watson, even on Twitter, continues to defend the honor of Deshaun Watson. He's not going to put his neck out there if he didn't do his due diligence. That's a very sharp individual. So again, all of a sudden now, these allegations come out. Trying to play my man like he's Bill Cosby. That's ridiculous. And not only that, even, like I said, even if Deshaun Watson is acquitted, of all these all these charges or not charges but even if he if it's found that there's no evidence of him doing these things that these women accuse him of doing he would never fully shake that stigma look at kobe bryant kobe bryant won an oscar everybody knew kobe didn't rape that woman but you still have people that still put that connotation on him oh he's a rapist quote unquote the man didn't do any of that Everybody in their right mind knew that. The hell he got to go rape somebody. He can have any woman he wanted. Same thing with Deshaun Watson. And you gonna try to you gonna try to prove to me that it's just all coincidental? You think you got to be out your rabbit ass mind? There's no way in hell I'm believing that. Not a chance. Until I see otherwise, you got to present some hardcore evidence. And once I see the hardcore evidence, okay, then I'll change my I'll change my position. But until such time, no, I, I'm not buying this, and you shouldn't either. Now again, all the, I'm sure all the facts have not come out yet because they have to still go. I believe they still have to go to trial or go to court rather. Um, because of the civil suit and what have you. And again, this is a strictly a civil suit. Tony Busby said, oh, we've, we've talked to the Houston Police Department. Nobody's talked to the Houston Police Department. And now, take a listen to this audio really quick, how Tony Busby is doing a job on trying to recruit more people to stack the deck. Check this out. There's a reason all of you are here. <laughs> 
Um, but once she made that outcry and once we filed the case, and we, we, we agonized over whether we were going to bring the case. Yeah. Um, but once we did, uh, a lot of women have come forward, more than, twi more than 20. And I would expect uh, if, if women who are watching this now know that you can remain anonymous, know that, that you have a support system, know that, that we want to hear your story, uh, I would expect others. Now you see what I'm saying? You're trying to recruit people to try to prove, put more merit on your case because your case is weak. So you're going to have to prove it. And let me tell you something. I said this earlier and I'll say it again. Even if Deshaun Watson is found, there's no evidence against these allegations that these women are bringing on him. He'll never fully shake that stigma. You know why? Because he's simply not Ben Roethlisberger. I'll let you figure out what I mean by that. Coming up on the other side of the break, the LA Lakers have been dealt another blow as it pertains to their season. Can they still make the playoffs? We'll talk about that and more in all other NBA news coming up on the other side of the break. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Stay tuned. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lowen. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. All right, everybody, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you hit me on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Nick Hamilton LA and on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. I also wanted to say before I move on to the next topic that, again, I am not painting all women to uh, the same boat because, again, there are real women out there who deal with sexual misconduct and sexual assault and guys that have really committed those crimes that need to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. So I am not speaking about that. Uh, my heart goes out to those women. Um, but these 12 individuals who are trying to conspire, I feel like are trying to conspire um, against uh, Deshaun Watson, you know, it's just, it's just ridiculous to me. So um, again, we'll find out again if there's evidence that that proved that Deshaun Watson did do these things that these women accuse him of. I will completely change my position. No problem with that. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But I just until then. It's just really ironic how <laughs> the, this information is stacking up against him at this particular moment in time. Had he agreed to come back to the Houston Texans, I wonder if this information would have come out. Just food for thought. Anyway, before we go into the NBA, I definitely want to give my deepest thoughts, prayers, and condolences out to the family of Elgin Baylor, who died on Monday at the age of 86. Uh, the Hall of Famer died of natural causes, uh, according to the L.A. Lakers. Uh, Baylor, who played 14 seasons for the L.A. Lakers, was an 11-time All-Star. Quote, Elgin was the love of my life and my best friend. And like everyone else, I was in awe of his immense courage, dignity, and the time he gave to all fans. At this time, we asked that, that I and our family be allowed to mourn his passing in privacy, end quote. That was a statement uh, from his late wife, Elaine. Uh, so again, our thoughts and prayers out to Elgin Baylor, uh, who actually died with uh, his wife and daughter, Crystal, by his side, uh, according to the reports. 
Uh, Baylor was probably one of the most prolific scorers in NBA history next to Will Chamberlain and Michael Jordan. Um, Baylor once held the single game uh, record, uh, scoring record with 71 points until the, the late great Kobe Bryant beat that record with his 81 points against the Toronto Raptors in 2006. Uh, still a phenomenal game to go back and watch. Uh, but Elgin Baylor, and I, I spoke with, you know, Tyron Lou, the head coach of the Los Angeles Clippers on Monday night, and I just asked him, uh, you know, what was it like? What do you feel like the legacy and how important is the history of people knowing about Elgin Baylor? Um, and, you know, it was just interesting for him to speak as highly as he did. The fact that he did have a chance to speak to Elgin Baylor, uh, obviously Jerry West being in the organization told him a lot of stories and the fact of what he represented for black players and black executives in the national basketball association, um, the, the way that he had to fight his way to get to those ranks and to represent and set an example, uh, which is why we have uh, quite a few uh, black executives today. And a lot of that praise and a lot of that, that respect should go to Elgin Baylor because of all he had to endure, especially dealing with a racist owner in Donald Sterling near the end of his tenure. I mean, he set the, he set the precedence. So much respect, rest in peace to the late great Elgin Baylor. Now, speaking of the Lakers on Sunday, the Lakers were dealt another blow because LeBron James had a, suffered a very nasty injury uh, against the Atlanta Hawks about the first minute or two into the second quarter. Uh, and he eventually suffered a high ankle sprain. Uh, it was later determined uh, there, were no, there was no structural damage, but it was later determined that he will be out for the next three to four weeks before being reevaluated. Uh, he did travel with the team to, the, to Phoenix when the team faced the Suns on Sunday. They lost. Uh, so now the Lakers are without Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Yes, we, 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 I've given a lot of praise to Kyle Kuzma. I think he's done an excellent job in his new role. I think he's really fulfilled his new role. But again, the Lakers do not have enough to get the job done. And if they're not careful, as, as tight as this Western Conference is, the Lakers could easily find themselves at the eighth seed or possibly looking up, trying to knock on the door to get into the playoff picture. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely curious to see what the Lakers are going to do with the trade deadline coming this Thursday. I'm interested to see what the Lakers are going to do. Now, before LeBron's injury, there was a lot of talk about the buyout market because the Lakers didn't really have a lot of assets. Um, they don't, they're not willing to part uh, with some of their players in order to, to be tradable pieces. So the most logical uh, opportunity in the most logical way was the buyout market. Now, we all know that a lot of people, including myself, have talked about Andre Drummond being probably what their number one target if he gets bought out. Uh, but also Hassan Whiteside was mentioned, as well as LaMarcus Aldridge, if he decide if he ends up getting bought out. Um, but again, it's going to be very interesting now that the Lakers are in a very different position uh, before the LeBron James injury. And the reason why the Lakers are in such trouble, because they have really no serious depth. Like we saw last season when they had guys like JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, Rajon Rondo, and guys like that, where they actually had the depth 
So even when Rajon Rondo went down, and yes, LeBron and AD carried the team, but in the playoffs, they absolutely needed Rajon Rondo to be healthy. And that's why they wanted the reasons why they were successful, along with Dwight Howard playing lights out as he did down the stretch, as well as in the playoffs and in the NBA finals, for them to be successful to capture their 17th NBA championship. So it's going now they don't have that depth. And I was talking with a friend of mine, and I was saying the, re, the difference between this year's team and last year's team is a lack of versatility. When you have Frank Vogel out there on the sidelines, he could go big, he could go small, he can go medium. Pick your combo, pick your pick whatever poison you want to pick. We're gonna th- we're gonna throw it your way, and we're gonna serve it to you on a on a on a platinum tray. They don't have those options anymore. And with AD not coming back for about three weeks or more, along with LeBron James now, which the diagnosis is three to four weeks, but it could possibly be longer because with high ankle sprains, they're funny like that. We, they, they can be three to four weeks. It can be in four to six weeks. We just don't know. Hopefully LeBron and Anthony Davis heal up uh, sooner than later. But you don't want to rush Anthony Davis. And that's my other concern. You don't want to rush Anthony Davis to get back simply because you're trying to tread water and you're, go, you're trying to keep yourself from drowning and drowning your way out of the playoffs. Because here's the problem. If you rush Anthony Davis back, we all know how long it's been since Anthony Davis has been on the court and we all know Anthony Davis is injury prone from time to time. You don't want to ignite you don't want to ignite another possible injury a week or two later that puts him back on the shelf because you're rushing from this latest injury. So you have to be very careful and very delicate. As I've said when I was on NBC's going Rogan this past weekend, I said in order for the Lakers to win, they have to have a healthy LeBron James, no question, but they have to have a 90% and pain-free Anthony Davis to even be have opportunity rather to to compete for the chip because if they don't they're up a creek without a paddle or water and this is why they never got another superstar or another star to go along with ad and lebron they based it off ad and lebron again kyle kuzma great playing some great ball uh as of you know as of late but he to me is not all that they need they needed something else and they did not get that they did not they did not keep the services of rajon rondo did not keep the services of dwight howard so now they're suffering the reason why the brooklyn nets have been still competitive the reason why the brooklyn nets have still been able to win games and still be neck and neck with the philadelphia 76ers in a very competitive uh eastern conference is because they added another star in addition, because they knew that Kevin Durant may or may not be able to play an entire season coming off an Achilles injury. And he's proven that he hasn't been able to play a lot of a lot of games because of that. This is why they brought in James Harden, because James Harden can take the pressure. Him and Kyrie, along with the rest of these guys, can continue to ride the ship in the right direction. That's why they brought on Blake Griffin. That's why they brought on, they're going to probably bring on some more people come the trade deadline in the buyout market. Because they're trying to stack bodies to make sure that if Kevin Durant does go down again, they can continue to keep the boat moving in the right direction. The Lakers did simply did not do that, which is why they're in the trouble they find their, themselves in now. And they have some very tough games coming up within the week and next week against the Sixers and then next week against the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis. And you don't have LeBron or AD. Let me know what, the, what you think the result of that's going to be. The Sixers are a very tough team. P- 
people they they're one of probably one of the most disrespected teams in the league where people are just overlooking them, not giving them their proper credit. I don't think they care because that's that's Doc's attitude. He just doesn't care. Just keep playing and keep trying to win games in in, in the absence of Joel Embiid, who should be returning, hopefully the next couple or few weeks. But in the meantime, in between time, Dwight Howard's been doing a serviceable job in the paint, and this is one of the reasons why they got Dwight Howard. I I do think they missed the ball by not being able to acquire P.J. Tucker in a trade of some sort in which he went to the Milwaukee Bucks. So they did strengthen the Milwaukee Bucks to a degree, but I still don't believe in the Milwaukee Bucks at all. I like Giannis. I think Giannis still has some 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 moves he needs to develop as a player. I don't really – I'm not confident in the Milwaukee Bucks. My two teams that are going to be facing each other in the Eastern Conference Finals, I still believe in the Sixers. I still believe in the Brooklyn Nets. I think that's going to be your Eastern Conference final, period. In the Western Conference, remains to be seen. Utah continues to, to, to ascend to higher heights. Uh, look at the Phoenix Suns. Obviously, uh, congratulations to Chris Paul for reaching 10,000 assists. Um, sky's the limit. Denver with Jokic, the Joker. Can't count out Denver. Can't count out the Los Angeles Clippers either. Because the Clippers could be making some moves under the radar that we don't know about. I've always said, and I will stick to my guns about this. I know that the, the the reports have come out that they may be interested in Lonzo Ball. Excuse me, but I don't think Lonzo Ball is the answer. I think Lonzo Ball does not scare defenses. I think Lonzo Ball is, is, is not the answer for that team. I think he's better suited in New York. I think a better, possibly a better opportunity may be Kyle Lowry. If they can possibly try to get a Rajon Rondo of some sort, I mean they have tradable pieces, so it's not it's not far fetched. But I tell you what, if the Clippers do get a real deal point guard and they happen to possibly land, let's say in the buyout market, if I'm the Clippers and one of these big men get bought out, I make a strong push for Andre Drummond or Lamarcus Aldridge. Hassan Whiteside ain't bad either. If you can get in his head and get him to believe in the philosophy that you're trying to preach to him, he could definitely be a, 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 a contributing factor in your success. But that's a tall task to have. But the two big men I would be looking at, Lamarcus Aldridge, Andre Drummond. One to keep, if you're the Clippers, you keep him away from the Lakers and you keep him away from the Brooklyn Nets. Period. Because the Clippers have a bigger agenda ahead because they've got to get to the conference finals if the los angeles clippers do not get to the western conference finals for the first time ever in their history of existence it's going to be a very long off season and your stomach is going to be in knots wondering if Kawhi leonard is going to stay or go and if you're Kawhi leonard you should take your time because what incentives do you have that this team is going to turn things around the way they need to turn things around because the reason why you came here is to try to deliver a championship. And if you can't even make it to the Western Conference Finals, why should he stay? Yes, the Southern California is his home. Yes, I'm sure he enjoys being back home. But he enjoys winning much more. Two-time NBA champion. Two-time. Looking to make it a third. Some people believe he'll stay in L.A. I personally hope he does stay in Los Angeles. I hope he stays alongside Paul George. That's the guy he wanted to play with, right? We all know Paul George made the commitment. 
But you can't be mad at him if Kawhi didn't commit to the Clippers like Paul George did when it's all said and done. Why should he? If they can't even make the conference finals, what's gonna what's really going to improve? What's going to improve? So the Clippers have <laughs> bigger fish to fry, as they say, when it comes to this this offseason, when it comes to this trade deadline and this buyout market. Because let me tell you something, Kawhi is paying attention to what you do and don't do. And I think the Clippers have a talented squad. I like Luke Kennard. I like Terrence Mann. I think Terrence Mann has really come along very strongly. Their comeback on Monday night against the Atlanta Hawks, the two X factors for the Los Angeles Clippers was Terrence Mann and Luke Kennard on offense and defense. And let me tell you something. Terrence Mann has continued to get better. The more minutes he gets, the better he gets. On Saturday night against the Charlotte Hornets, the dude shot 70% from the field. On Monday night against the Atlanta Hawks, he shot 57% from the field. Had a double-double in that game. Two X factors why the Clippers were able to prevail and snap the eight-game winning streak of the Atlanta Hawks. But I'm going to tell you something. If they don't start putting winning streaks together and they don't do something at something and they don't get to the West, at least the Western Conference Finals or, hell, the NBA Finals, Going to be a turbulent offseason. Very turbulent offseason in Los Angeles. And speaking of turbulent, LaMelo Ball, who was scheduled more than likely, he was probably going to be the rookie of the year. I, I do believe it was going to be tight between him and Anthony Edwards because Anthony Edwards, I, I believe, is so sensational. Uh, but due to a wrist injury, he is LaMelo Ball is out for the season, uh, which cancels all his rookie of the year hopes. Um, and I think that kid was onto something. You know, he struggled against the Lakers. He struggled against the Clippers. But overall, I think the kid is, was starting to f- try to find his own. And unfortunately, now his, his road is going to be a little bit harder coming back for next season because he's got to deal with the wrist injury uh, that he suffered, I believe, against the Clippers. I believe it was in the second quarter on Saturday night in Los Angeles. So that's going to be very interesting. Uh, well wishes to him. Hope he gets back stronger. Because uh, I want to see the I, again. I'm not on the hype train. I've I've I'm still not fully convinced that he's going to be the guy guy uh, in the National Basketball Association. But I don't want to see him go out like that. I don't want to see him get injured and not play to his full potential. So good luck to him on his recovery trail. And I hope to see him come back stronger next season. I really truly do. Because I like I like Lamelo Ball. I don't like his daddy, Puffy Knight, run his damn mouth too much, but has nothing to do with LaMelo. LaMelo can play. I'm just not convinced he's the guy, guy, like I said. Not yet. I'll look in year two, year three. If he's consistent, say less. I'll be on board the LaMelo train. All right, y'all, coming up on the other side of the break, we're going to break down some NCAA tournament hoops with my guy, my colleague, Chris Camello of Diecast Media, as well as Camello's Corner. Uh, we're going to get into who we believe will be the Final Four representatives and the National Championship representatives, and who is the Cinderella of the NCAA Tournament Ball. All that and more, and also my three cents, where I talk about anything from sports, politics, entertainment, whatever it is, you name it, I'm talking about it. All coming up on the other side of the break. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio. 145. Stay tuned. 
This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. And yes, tournament time is upon us. The upsets have been coming by the caseloads. And yes, we will get down and dirty on the 94 feet of the hard court with the one and only Chris Camello from Camello's Corner, as well as Nightcast Media. Hey, man, listen, this has been one of the strangest NCAA tournaments I have witnessed in a very long time. What say you? Well, anytime you have a tournament where a team gets a win because of a no contest, something you hear in a courtroom, more so than on the basketball court, then you know it's 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 a it's a strange time. But yeah, it's been it's been strange. I think the strangest thing was there was no North Carolina, there was no Duke, no Kentuckys, no Blue Bloods, and yet it has been an exciting tournament. We've seen some upsets, but we've also seen some really great basketball on the West Coast. Man, the Pac-12 well represented, four teams still representing the West Coast over here. So, I mean, that's it's definitely been a good time. And, and we've seen some other schools like Oral Roberts get in and, and really make some noise as a 15 seed and uh, starting to look like a Cinderella story. Well, then before you get into that, let's talk a little bit about the Pac-12 because they had five teams uh, representing their conference in the tournament alone. To me, first of all, that's the, the Pac-12 is finally, I think, is finally getting the respect that they deserve when it comes to the basketball ranks, because I think a lot of people sleep on the Pac-12, whether it is because of the time difference, because they do play late games, uh, you know, versus the East Coast teams and the Midwest teams that are on a different schedule. To me, this is a great showcase of talent in the Pac-12, and I think I think it's a great representative as far as recruiting is concerned, especially for the next couple of seasons when you see guys from USC, Oregon State, um, something that you know hasn't been put on the map since the days of Gary Payton. Yeah. Um, when you look at Oregon, uh, when you look at uh, UCLA, uh, Mick Cronin has really done a fantastic job fantastic. coaching that team. Uh, there were a lot of doubts about him when he first arrived at Westwood, but those doubts are slowly being wiped away with each uh, step that he's getting closer to getting to the Final Four and ultimately the, the championship round. Uh, when you look at USC, though, you know, Andy Enfield, we know what USC is capable of. We've seen it time and time again. And USC has just let us down when it comes to hoping that they will go make a deep, you know, tournament run because they always had the talent. Talent was never an issue really for the USC Trojans. Yeah. Uh, but when you look at, you know, obviously they have a, a, a top NBA pick in Evan Mobley. Uh, but when they, they were able to actually spread the ball around really well. I mean, Evan Mobley finished on Monday night against uh, the shellacking or the ass kicking of, of of epic proportion against the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, Evan Mobley finished with 10 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, but when you look at this USC team, what made them so successful against the Kansas Jayhawks, who they, I believe were 0-7 uh, before entering on Monday night's contest? Size, size, and more size. Their length and their <laughs> size up front was just absolutely killer. Kansas really had no answers for the Mobley brothers. Evan is going to be a top three pick going into this next draft. Oh, yeah. uh, th this next year's draft, I should say the summer's draft. But even Isaiah Mobley played well. Uh, they had what, what that size does, Nick, is it collapses the defense. And guess what? Now it spreads the floor. Now guys like Peterson and White and Edie and Ethan Anderson can get open looks. And that's exactly what happened. So they put on a clinic against a 
a, a really good Kansas squad. I mean, Bill Self is one of the uh, he's one of the nation's great coaches. And when you are able to beat a Bill Self team by over thirty points, by the way, that was the worst loss in Jayhawks hoops history going back to 1940. Before that, it was 18 points Damn. back in 1940. World War II and, USC, and USC crushed a 70-year-old uh, a record. So, I mean, they just destroyed him. And Bill Self was completely dejected. But, you know, at the end of the day, he just felt we were completely outclassed by a superior opponent. We really had no shot. But SC came out and did the right thing early on. They hit him in the mouth before the seats were warm obviously uh it was 10 to 2 and from there sc just never let up the jayhawks never had a chance in this game and uh, the mobley brothers along with the the guards the wings everybody that stepped on the floor for for the usc trojans was fantastic and you know what hats off to andy enfield he's been with usc now eight years and he has done a phenomenal job building up the culture and usc should not just be known as a football school anymore nick they should be known as a basketball school now too well, at times in, in peaks and valleys, they were, but now it's time to see some consistency. So hopefully this will lead to an even uh, better season come next year mm -hmm. uh, when it's time for the USC Trojans, whenever they decide, uh, you know, they get eliminated in the tournament or they make it all the way to the championship. We'll find out. But when you right. look at, speaking of the Pac-12, Oregon, because everybody was concerned about Oregon because of their uh, their inability to play a game against VCU because VCU players tested positive for COVID-19, unfortunately, which allowed them to forfeit, which allowed Oregon to move on, yeah. uh, which Oregon hadn't played in quite some time. So everybody was concerned. A lot of people that I talked to were concerned about Oregon because they hadn't played. They worried about rust uh, sitting around and they, they, they answered the call very well against Iowa, uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes on Monday night, 95 to 80 uh, as the Oregon Ducks continue to move along also ucla obviously is moving along uh the only pac-12 school that didn't uh that fell short uh was the colorado buffaloes against florida state shout but out to leonard hamilton by the way yet another sweet 16 uh, another sweet 16 appearance for leonard hamilton and the florida state seminoles that is a very good head coach there and uh, goes way back to enfield but yeah colorado was completely outclassed and by the way, thoughts and prayers are with the uh, the families and the victim of the victims of that tragic, Absolutely. senseless shooting in Boulder. So, just wanted to interject in there and uh, interject that in there as well. Absolutely, uh, definitely thoughts, prayers, and positive energy out to those families and those those everybody in that community that's been affected. Um, you talk about you know Cinderella teams. Usually, we see the we've seen the Butlers, we've seen the Creightons, we've seen uh, you know various schools that have come and gone. Uh, I'll be that that particular Cinderella story, and this year happens to be Oral Roberts University, who happens to be the biggest Cinderella story. Uh, they, they pretty much came out of nowhere because when I think of ORU, I definitely don't think of some damn basketball. Uh, <laughs> but when it, uh, it, when it comes to these types of events, these are the teams that truly rise to the occasion because they have absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. They're playing with house money. What has been the successful ways? of or Roberts University and why how have they gotten to this point you know what I couldn't even tell you what state Oral Roberts University is in that's a Oklahoma thing. I, I mean that was a Tulsa yeah. Oklahoma uh, exactly so I mean here they are they're going up against Ohio State in the first round and it's always a 15 seed that knocks mm. out a two I remember one year it was Duke who was a two seed losing to Lehigh and uh, as a 15 seed so I mean there's always this 
this t- random team, really low seeding that just comes out of nowhere and just shocks the world. And Oral Roberts is that team. So, uh, yeah, they've just been playing really hard, really well, really together, very well coached. And they even, you know, and you could just see, like, we got nothing to lose. Even the coach said, you know, we, we may not go very far, but you know what, though, we're going to appreciate and we're going to embrace this moment. And that's what you've seen. And they've taken out, obviously, a very good Ohio State team. They took out a really good Florida team. And now they're, you know, you look at Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas is a three team, uh, a three seed, but they're not one of those teams that I don't think is going to strike fear into Oral Roberts at this point. And the, the burden of proof is always on the prosecution. The burden of proof in this case is, is going to be on Arkansas. Amen. ORU is Vegas at this point. They are rolling and rolling big, and they not they don't hey, have any signs of slowing down at all. Hey Nick, when I think of Oral Roberts, you know, or any Cinderella team, I go back to that one school in 2006. You remember which one? George Mason going all the way. I yep. think, what was it to the Final Four to the Elite Eight? I, they, really, they, I gotta go back and look, man. I won't yeah, even but, comment but on that. <laughs> my point is like. There's always that random school every, and this is what makes the tournament great is that you don't know, you can't script it. It literally yeah. is a crapshoot. You know, you could be the most dominant team all season long. Then all of a sudden you have a bad game, a bad day, and all of a sudden your season is done. That is what, that is the heartbreaking part, but the exciting part of it as well. Absolutely. You talked about seeds. I don't think seeding really matters at this point because there's been so many knockoffs, but the seed, I think that people are not truly respecting are the Alabama Crimson Tide basketball team because they are quietly making making their 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 presence felt. And to me, that is a team that could be very scary. The deeper they go, yeah. that can they can be very scary, and they can be upsetting some some schools that probably didn't think that they would get that far. Because when you think about Alabama, obviously that's a football school. Nick Saban right. and the great job that he's done there. But the, on the basketball side, let me tell you something. This is a school that could be very very dangerous. Because you can underestimate them or just take them at face value, and they will make make a couple of runs and p- fool around, take the lead, and end up winning the game. So, to me, the Alabama Crimson Tide are a team to to, to look out for. Uh, and that's going to be UCLA's. That's going to be UCLA's next opponent. So that's going to be a really interesting matchup right there. Well, I tell you what, UCLA <laughs> better pack their lunch and have some dinner ready on the side because it's going to be a long game. When it comes to playing the Alabama Crimson Tide, because they've come a long way. That program has really come a long way, as well as UCLA's program as well. And Uh, you know what? Let me just say this about Alabama. He's no longer coaching there, but hes I really thought he started planting the seeds. Former NBA champion, Dallas Mavericks head coach, Avery Johnson. Did a really good job there for a few years and starting to put plant the seeds to make them a more credible and legitimate basketball school. Avery Johnson. Yep. (laughs) Avery Johnson, shout out to Avery Johnson, man. So when when you look at moving, I mean, moving forward, obviously Gonzaga is still the number one seed that's still alive and kicking, but I'm still not, I'm not a believer in Gonzaga. Am I, am I just a hater? Am I just not, am I ye of little faith? Like to me, they just, I I don't know. Gonzaga, they play to me in a weak conference. They get the number one seed usually or number two seed usually every year and they fizzle out. They've never won a national title. Yeah. Is this the year that they could get it done, or should I just go ahead and continue with my old ways of not believing in them? Well, to be honest, their road to get to the Final Four is going to be difficult because if they get past a really good Creighton team that is well-balanced, they spread the ball around really well, they, they've got shooters all over the place, 
they've got to potentially face Oregon or USC, depending on who comes out of that matchup in the Sweet 16. So it's going to be a difficult road from here on out for, for a lot of these teams. There are no easy outs at this point. So I think even UCLA caught a break on Monday uh, afternoon taking on Abilene Christian instead of Texas. But now what's their reward? Taking on that Alabama team that you were just talking about. So, But yeah, Gonzaga is one of those teams that every year they're always in the mix. Sweet 16, Elite Eight. The one year they got to the national championship, lost to North Carolina, who was trying to avenge the loss a year earlier to Villanova on the game-winning three by Jenkins. So, I mean, it, Mark Few is a great coach. They're, 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 they have a lot of depth, a lot of good talent there. But I, I, I'm like you, man. Like, when's that other shoe going to drop? Uh, and, and we're going to see them with their he- hands on their heads being like, not again. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. But I do believe if there was a year for them to finally bust loose, it's this year. But we shall see. Yeah, that road yeah. is difficult. That road is difficult. Listen, crazier things have happened as we've seen it throughout this tournament. And right now, as we as we're on the air, Gonzaga are I think they're 13 and a half point favorites right now over Creighton. So that should right. be interesting. Uh, we can kiss Florida State goodbye because they will be facing Michigan next. Uh, and, and even though Michigan kind of struggled against LSU on Monday night, it's still the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, and you're going to have teams that are going to slip. They're not going to be perfect every 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 game, every round, and not going to be perfect. But as long as they get the points they need to get the W, that's all that counts, and they can continue to their their tournament hopes of winning a national title as well. And props to the Jawan Howard has really turned that program around and really yeah. got really really got those guys buying into his system and really believing in what he what he's preaching uh, day in and day out. Uh, which is it, there's an interesting Pac-12 line uh, matchup. That's coming up, and that is the Oregon Ducks and the USC Trojans. Now, it's interesting that these two would meet because they obviously met in the Pac-12 uh, conference during the regular season. What do you see out of these two schools? Who comes out the victor? Man, that is going to be some kind of matchup right there. I mean, these are two teams that know each other very well. They face off against each other twice during the regular season. Those games were were obviously close. And SC right now just seems to, they seem to be locked in. No disrespect to Oregon. I'm sure Oregon's going to play a really good game. Dana Altman has the Ducks in the Sweet 16 for the fourth time in five years. So the Ducks, in addition to being a really good football school, they've also shown that they could be a hoops powerhouse as well. And, and a lot of their players are ended up being pro bound. You know, look at uh, Chris Boucher and Peyton Pritchard in recent years. Guys are starting to really um, have a flourish in their NBA careers. But uh, that's going to be a tough matchup. I just wonder, can they match up with the size and the length of the Mobley brothers up front? Because that is going to be the difference in the game. Because if you are unable to keep those guys in check without sending a second or third man at them, to, to and so that way you can cover the shooters, you're going to be in for a tough night. That's, that's going to be the thing. So they have to try to keep those guys off the glass, keep those guys from dominating the paint. Keep a handout on the shooters like White, like Peterson, like Edie and Anderson. And if they could do that, they'll have a shot. But honestly, Nick, I got USC going to the Elite Eight, man. After what I saw tonight, I don't know if anyone right now could stop them. All right, I got about 30 seconds, man. Give me your final four predictions and then give me your national championship prediction. Oh, man, you put me on the spot. I got, I got Michigan going to the final four. Okay. I got SC going in the final four. Um, gosh, uh, who else? Who else on there? Uh, we shall see. Oral Roberts. No. <laughs> I'm about to say you better get off that narcotic. <laughs> 
Oral Roberts. Uh, yeah, no, we'll, we'll see. Maybe Arkansas. Maybe Arkansas. I could see them, you know, making a little bit of noise. We'll see. We'll see what they can do. And then uh, finally, I think I think Houston. I really like what I've seen from Houston. They're going to have a tough matchup up against um, uh, up against Syracuse next game, but I could see them as getting getting to the Final Four as well. But it's going to be some really good matchups over the next uh, wow. over the next week, man. No love for Baylor, huh? Okay, all right. Well, I tell you what, man, it, it'll definitely be interesting. We'll be also just want to make an announcement on this show next week. We'll be having a, a gift card giveaway because what goes better with basketball? Beer and wings. So we'll we'll reveal what the gift card is for the amount. Make sure you stay tuned. Keep it locked here on TMA with Nick Hamilton. And we will definitely give you all the details that you need and get you ready for the upcoming Final Four and the National Championship. Chris Camello, it's been a pleasure, my man. Thank you so much for coming on. And we will definitely talk to you soon. Thanks again, Nick. Appreciate the time. Hey, man, anytime. That was Chris Camello from Camello's Corner and Nightcast Media. Uh, giving us uh, talking a little basketball, talking a little college hoops, man. It's been a very interesting time on and off the floor for the NCAA tournament. Now it's my time for my three cents where I talk about any and everything in the world of sports, pop culture, entertainment, politics, whatever it is, you know I'm going to talk about it. All right, y'all. So we, we got through talking about the NCAA tournament. We were talking about just what teams are going to go where, who's going to finish up. But let me say this. I was absolutely appalled at the treatment of the women in the NCAA tournament. And I say that because I know all of you by this time have seen the video. You've seen the pictures about the weight, the weight room and the equipment that the men's uh, side of uh, the men's basketball side had versus the women's side. And then the excuse by the NCAA was, oh, we don't have enough room, but busted because the players the ladies who play in the tournament had video evidence and showcased how much room. I mean, they had the room the size of a warehouse. So how in the hell do you not get these ladies the proper equipment that they need in order to compete at the very highest level? That is asinine to me. It is completely disrespectful. And I'm so glad that pressure was put on the archaic NCAA and the caveman antics of the NCAA because these ladies deserve to be treated fairly and equally. They put in as much time, they put in as much work, they put in as much dedication as their, as their male counterparts. There's no excuse not to equip them with the very best in order for them to compete at the very highest level. So I am glad that they did get that. You had to shame the NCAA to get right. And then their excuse was, oh, well, you know, athletics is not what it is as far as the men versus the women. I don't give a damn. These women still compete. They have worked their behinds off. They have Some of these teams are played in some of the worst conditions when it comes to dealing with the COVID-19 situation because guess what? They had games stacked on top of games, and they had to play and pretty much run a gauntlet to even qualify for the NCAA tournament. And you're going to sit up here and allow yourselves in today's climate to do this to these women? This is not the first time this has happened. This, is ha this has been happening for many years. This is just the first time it's been showcased and the first time that people started to take an ear and take an eye and really care and try to make moves and try to help the situation. It's no different, for example, the first time I witnessed the Rodney King beating as a child. 
I was a kid. That's not the first time police have been whipping up on black people. That was the first time that it was televised. And I say, I use that example because this is not the first time that the NCAA has mistreated these women players during the tournament or any other time. This has been the first time that the masses haven't got a chance to really see it and pay attention to it and try to do something about it to improve it. So shout out to all of the lady ballers out there that are competing in the NCAA tournament. Best of luck to all of you. Those who did not make the, 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 the various rounds, good luck to you all next year. NCAA, take a, take, a, take a note. Know that you will be exposed if you don't do right by your athletes, but yet you want your athletes to do right by you. Hmm. Lead by example. Because thus far, you've led a terrible example on how people should be treated. And what example are you setting to the men out there? You're saying the ladies are less than? No, they're not. But that's the example that you're trying to put out there. Treat the ladies with some respect. They deserve it. They earned it. And that's all I have to say on that subject. Thank you so much for tuning in to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. If you miss any portion of this broadcast, make sure you download and subscribe to us on all streaming platforms at TMA with Nick Hamilton. I'd like to thank the production staff over at Slam Radio and everybody at Sirius XM. Thank you so much. You guys be safe. Talk to you soon. Hit me up on all social media channels. Well, Instagram and Facebook at Nick Hamilton LA. You can also find me on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. Hit me up on YouTube. Subscribe to my YouTube channel for all the latest and greatest in the world of sports and pop culture at youtube.com slash TV. All right, y'all. Until next week, stay sharp, be safe, take care of yourself. I am out. The views and opinions expressed on TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose, are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.